Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast with a special episode recorded for Podbean's Wellness Week. My name is Andrea Samadhi, and if you're new here, I'm a former educator who created this podcast to bring the most current neuroscience research, along with high-performing experts who've risen to the top of their field with specific strategies or ideas that you can implement immediately, whether you're an educator or working in the corporate space, to take your results to the next level. When I first launched this podcast in June of 2019, using Podbean as my host, of course, it was a bit by chance as I had just purchased a new template for my website that had a podcast theme and the developer who helped me to build the site said, you can delete the podcast section if you don't want to host a podcast. And I thought about it for a minute and I was already conducting interviews for the programs and services I was offering in my membership area. So I told him, let's just keep it. And I went over to Google and I searched for what exactly is an RSS feed and how to launch a podcast. I had no idea at that moment just how powerful that one decision would be that would connect me to leaders around the world, be downloaded in over a hundred countries, become my biggest learning opportunity, to help people all over the world in ways that I could never have imagined and open up many doors all just from one decision. I also started this podcast because I saw a serious need in the area of social and emotional learning that was being implemented in schools around the country and the world, but many educators didn't know the best way to begin their implementation. We all know that success in life and in college and career specifically relies on students' cognitive, the core skills your brain uses to think, read, remember, and pay attention, social and interpersonal skills, including the ability to navigate through social situations, resolve conflicts, show respect towards others, self-advocate, and learn how to work on a team with others, and emotional development, including the ability to recognize and manage one's emotions, demonstrate empathy for others, and cope with stress. But what are these skills and what exactly is the best way to implement them? In the corporate world, these skills aren't new, but they're newly important and of high urgency to develop our future generations. A recent survey showed that 58% of employers say college graduates are not adequately prepared for today's workforce. And those employers noted a particular gap in social and emotional skills. This is where our goal with this podcast began, to close this gap by exploring six social-emotional learning competencies as a springboard for discussion, and then tie in how an understanding of our brain can facilitate these strategies. Hence the title of the podcast, Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning. If we want to improve our social, emotional, and cognitive abilities, it starts with an understanding of our brain. Season one consists of 33 episodes that begin with introducing the six social and emotional competencies, building a growth mindset, making responsible decisions, becoming self-aware, increasing social awareness, managing emotions and behavior, and developing relationships, 
along with an introduction to cognitive skills that I call Neuroscience 101, where we introduce some of the most important cognitive strategies or the core skills your brain uses to think, remember, and pay attention. In Season 2, these 33 episodes build on the strategies from Season 1 with high-level guests who tie in social, emotional, interpersonal, and cognitive strategies to increase results in school, sports, and the workplace. You'll learn about the power of repetition, challenge, creativity, using your brain to break bad habits, how the brain ties into mindset, self-regulation, and self-awareness, cognitive rigor, thinking, learning, brain rules for schools in the workplace, theory of mind, brain network theory, personal leadership, taking initiative, resiliency, the science behind mindfulness, meditation, and your values. In season three, these 14 episodes tie in some of the top authors in the world who connect their work to these social, emotional, and cognitive skills with clear examples for improved results, well-being, and achievement within each episode. In Season 4, these 14 episodes begin to tie in health and mental health into the understanding of our brain, productivity, and results. The shift to health on this podcast became apparent when we started to see how important our brain health is for our overall results. When season four took the direction of health, mental health, and wellness, I began looking for guests to dive deeper into the top five health staples that seemed to emerge with each guest. On this episode, we're releasing for Podbeam's Wellness Week, I'll take a look at the top five health staples from episode 87 and offer additional tips, strategies, and ideas based on our most recent interviews that you can implement immediately for improved health and well-being. You can listen to episode 87 on the top five brain health and Alzheimer's prevention strategies that I wrote after watching Dr. David Perlmutter's documentary called Alzheimer's, the Science of Prevention that inspired this change in direction for the podcast towards health and wellness in addition to social, emotional, and cognitive strategies for improved results. The case is clear that in order to move the needle the most with our health, there are some important areas that we can come to a consensus that are crucial to pay attention to. We know that Alzheimer's disease now affects more than 5 million Americans and is the most common form of dementia, a term that describes a variety of diseases and conditions that develop when nerve cells in the brain die or no longer function normally. I was interested in learning more on this topic since it was one of the main reasons we went and got a brain scan at Amen Clinics in the first place. The pattern of Alzheimer's can be seen in the brain years before signs and symptoms show up, so when I saw Dr. Perlmutter's Alzheimer's Prevention Series, I watched every episode to learn what brain experts across the country are saying about the top ways to prevent this disease that currently has no known or meaningful treatment but I was given some hope when I heard that you can change the direction of your cognitive destiny from Max Lugaveri. He's a health and science journalist and New York Times bestselling author from Genius Foods. So here's how we can take control of our health and our future with the top five health staples that I think we should all know, how they play a role in Alzheimer's prevention with added tips from our most recent health interviews.
Health staple one, daily exercise. This seems to be the solution for every single brain problem. So I think that this is the most important strategy and the reason why I block out exercise time on my schedule as non-negotiable. If we can incorporate 30 minutes of brisk walking every day, we'll be miles ahead with our brain health. It wasn't until I started to measure my activity that I started to see that 30 minutes of walking really did make a difference. I didn't need to be running or working really hard like you would think that you would have to to notice a difference, but I did need to put in some effort to move the needle. The benefits of daily consistent exercise come directly from its ability to reduce insulin resistance, reduce inflammation, and stimulate the release of growth factors, which are chemicals in the brain that affect the health of brain cells, the growth of new blood vessels in the brain, and even the abundance and survival of new brain cells. If for some reason this whole idea of exercising still doesn't sound the least bit interesting to you, you might be surprised like I was that household activities like vacuuming or raking leaves or anything that gets your heart rate up like shoveling snow, these activities fall into the category of moderate exercise. The idea is that whatever you choose, that it remains consistent, so it eventually becomes something that you do habitually. Here's an Alzheimer's prevention thought for daily exercise. If exercise reduces insulin resistance and inflammation, it would make sense that it also reduces the risk of Alzheimer's. Studies show that people who are physically active have a lower risk of developing Alzheimer's disease and possibly have improved thinking. Let's take a deeper dive with one of our most recent interviews, Luke Dupron. On episode number 90, I interviewed Luke Dupron on neuroscience, fitness, and growth. Luke is a men's health and performance coach and a graduate of exercise science kinesiology. Luke has done everything from personal training with hundreds of clients to working alongside doctors of chiropractic, corrective exercise specialists, training Olympic level athletes to performance work with world champion mixed martial arts fighters. Currently, Luke works as an online men's health and performance coach, and I put the link to where you can access more information about Luke, where he helps men step into the lifestyle approach of exercise and nutrition to transform their physique, energy, and confidence. What I learned from Luke about daily exercise is that most people start a fitness or a nutrition journey with a physique goal in mind, but it's how you feel at the end of the journey. What's inspiring, Luke says, is to see someone who might not be in that great health to begin with, but they create daily and weekly habits or standards that they follow that create energy and confidence that comes along with these habits. That's what the journey's all about. Health staple two, getting a good quality and quantity of sleep. Making sure we're getting at least seven to eight hours each night. I think that if you were to go back and look at our podcast past episodes with Dr. Shane Creato, episode 72, and Dr. Sarah Mackay on episode 85, it's clear that sleep deprivation causes poor health and performance because it's not allowing enough time for the brain to wash and clean itself. With less than seven hours of sleep each night, the trash builds up in our brain that leads us farther away from health. 
I learned from health expert Darren Olean from the Darren Olean Show. He's someone that did the Netflix docuseries with Zac Efron called Down to Earth with Zac Efron. That studies show that almost all neurodegenerative diseases, including Alzheimer's disease, are created when protein waste accumulates in the brain, which in turn slowly suffocates and kills the brain's neurons. We also know that the brain shows lower functioning to important areas when it's sleep deprived. An important Alzheimer's prevention thought for the importance of sleep, Dr. David Perlmuter on his Alzheimer's Science of Prevention series made a clear case for the fact that sleep deprivation is directly linked to developing Alzheimer's disease. And he says that sleep plays an important role impacting our risk for developing this condition. He went on to remind us that from a medical perspective, we cannot afford a bad night's sleep and that sleep is essential if we want to retain optimal function of our body and our brains. So taking a deeper dive with one of our most recent interviews, Dr. Shane Creato, on episode 72, we had a look at Dr. Creato's book, His Peak Sleep Performance for Athletes. It's the cutting edge sleep science that will guarantee a competitive edge. Shane Creato, he's a double board certified sleep medicine doctor and psychiatrist, and he practices functional sleep medicine, integrative psychiatry, and sports psychiatry, putting all these skills together to uncover underlying factors that sabotage patients. Then he treats them and helps them to achieve their goals. So the lesson I learned from Dr. Creato on sleep, he mentions that sleep is a key pillar of brain health and that it's modifiable, which is what's beautiful about it. We can't really change our DNA. Well, he says we could talk about epigenetics and how the environment influences our DNA, but sleep is something that is modifiable and we can correct it. When working with a patient, Dr. Creato looks at the brain using spectimage brain scans, and based on what he sees, he determines the treatment plan. When Dr. Creato looked at my brain, he suggested that a change in my sleep pattern of adding just an additional half an hour to make seven hours of sleep instead of the six and a half that I was getting before would improve my results. He also reminded me that a 20-minute nap in the afternoon would boost my productivity, and it's not lazy to incorporate this habit into my daily routine. He mentioned that Google and many high-level corporate environments offer sleep pods to help their employees to gain the rest needed in the afternoon to boost productivity. Health Staple 3, Eating a Healthy Diet Eliminating sugar and processed foods. We hear this all the time and we know intuitively what feels good when we eat it and what makes our body feel tired, lethargic, and just plain bad. The goal is to eliminate the brain robbers that steal our energy and do what helps it, not what hurts it. There are two specific moments that I remember that were life-changing when it came to my diet. The first was around 2005 when I was seeing a foot doctor, Dr. Richard Jacoby, for foot numbness after exercise, and he asked me to eliminate sugar completely from my diet. I was looking for solutions as to why I couldn't feel the top of my feet after exercise, and I didn't show any signs of diabetes, but this doctor was writing a new book that's now released. It's called Sugar Crush, How to Reduce Inflammation, Reverse Nerve Damage, and Reclaim Good Health. And he was convinced that sugar intake was at the root of most health problems. He suggested I take fish oil, learn how to avoid higher glycemic foods, 
and the results that occurred were so impactful that I wish I had done this sooner. The benefits of cutting out sugar from my diet only snowballed my health down the road for the better. When I was ready to have children, I was a bit worried that I would have some challenges here as I was diagnosed with PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome in my late 20s, and I was told I might need to take fertility drugs to conceive. But surprisingly, after some tests, my doctor told me I no longer had this condition that appears to have reversed, and she asked me what I had done. The only thing I did was exercise, take fish oil, and cut out sugar. The second life-changing aha moment around diet focused around intermittent fasting, and I'll talk about this more in point number five, but it was eye-opening when I started to follow people like Dave Asprey, he's the creator of Bulletproof Coffee. Who would have ever thought that putting butter, coconut oil, or MCT oil in your coffee would help increase your energy and stay lean? I heard this idea first from bodybuilder and fitness expert Jason Whitrock from watching his YouTube channel where he explains exactly what goes into a keto coffee and why it's good for your energy levels. He explains the science behind the keto diet and he was just a great resource for me when I was learning that eating fats won't make me fat. Thomas DeLauer is also a great resource for anyone looking to learn more about intermittent fasting or the ketogenic diet. An Alzheimer's prevention thought for eating a healthy diet? Did you know that sugar in the brain looks like Alzheimer's in the brain and that 60% of cognitive decline is related to how you handle blood sugar? There was a study that followed 5,189 people over 10 years and it found that people with high blood sugar had a faster rate of cognitive decline than those with normal blood sugar, whether or not their blood sugar level technically made them diabetic. In other words, the higher the blood sugar, the faster the cognitive decline. Did you know that with type 2 diabetes, you have almost double the risk for Alzheimer's disease that has no known treatment? If you have type 2 diabetes, your goal would be to do everything you can to manage your blood sugar by eating good carbs, complex carbs with fiber, eating lower glycemic foods that balance your blood sugar levels instead of throwing them off balance with high levels of sugar. In the show notes, I'll put an image of a healthy brain from Dr. Amon's clinic showing even symmetrical and smooth blood flow to all areas. And on the right, you'll see a picture of an Alzheimer's brain that shows a drop of blood flow to the important parts of the brain. So let's take a deeper dive on nutrition with one of our most recent interviews, Dr. Daniel Stickler. On episode 96, we interviewed Dr. Daniel Stickler, a former vascular surgeon who concluded that traditional medicine is not the best route for ideal health. He's now the co-founder and chief medical officer of the Apiron Center for Human Potential, and Apiron meaning limitless, and he's the visionary pioneer behind systems-based precision lifestyle medicine, which is a whole new paradigm that redefines medicine from the old symptoms-based disease model to one of limitless peak performance. A few minutes of looking at Dr. Stickler's work and your level of awareness will expand. Here's some lessons learned from Dr. Stickler on nutrition. Dr. Stickler talks about a skill called interoception or the ability to listen to the signals within your body. And we've spoken about this on a past few podcast episodes, whether it was with Dr. Dan Siegel and his Wheel of Awareness meditation that strengthens this awareness, 
or personal trainer Jason Whitrock, who talks about the importance of listening to your hunger cues to gain control over your eating habits. Dr. Stickler mentions this enteroception is a skill used by pro athletes to achieve results with their athletic career or with those in the special forces who must learn this skill since they're often faced with life versus death situations. If we can learn to listen to the cues our body tells us, whether it's with the food we're eating or when we're eating or what we're eating, we'll be miles ahead with our well-being. Health staple four, optimizing our microbiome. Did you know that your gut is made up of trillions of bacteria, fungi, and other microbes? The microbiome plays an important role in your health by helping to control digestion and benefiting your immune system. Taking a probiotic daily, remaining active, eating a healthy diet, and avoiding foods that disrupt our microbiome, like processed fried foods, sugar, high fructose corn syrup, and artificial sweeteners are important for our gut-brain health. Here's an Alzheimer's prevention thought for optimizing your microbiome. There does seem to be a hidden relationship between Alzheimer's disease and the microbiome in our gut, and that an imbalanced gut microbiome, which is called dysbiosis, could lead to Alzheimer's disease and wider neuroinflammation through the gut-brain axis. Promoting good bacteria relative to bad bacteria in the gut may be important in maintaining good digestive, immune, and neurological health. This is still a developing field, but taking prebiotics and probiotics are the best way to deliver a healthy gut-brain balance. Let's take a deeper dive with Dr. Vucich. On episode number 93, we interviewed Dr. Momo Vucic, and he's the co-founder and chief science officer of Viome. They're a healthcare disruptor that's using IA to analyze your gut microbiome to make personalized nutritional recommendations. Dr. Vucic's research focuses on applying modern genomics to the areas of gut microbiomes, host pathogen, and microbial interspecies interactions, pathogen detection, cancer biology, toxicology, infectious diseases, and antibiotic resistance. Some lessons learned from Dr. Vucage. Dr. Vucage believes that today we have 100% of the science and technology needed to cure every chronic disease and every cancer. He urges everyone to learn more about ways to optimize their gut health by understanding what damages our gut health and what's good for it. Since each person's microbiome is different, his company offers microbiome testing, and the result is that people learn what foods they should avoid, minimize, enjoy, and those that are superfoods for them. This has opened up a whole new world for him, and it begins with each person taking charge of their own health by understanding their gut-brain connection. The final health staple, number five, is intermittent fasting. This has many health benefits that you might have heard of, like the fact it reduces belly fat. I started intermittent fasting around three years ago when I was looking to take my health to the next level, and I was following some well-known bodybuilders to see what they were doing for their health and fitness. And I started the 16-8 program where you fast for 16 hours and you only eat foods in an eight-hour window. I just pick four days a week, so I do Sunday to Wednesday. And I just wanted to see what would happen, and the results were obvious. I was able to quickly get down to my goal weight, where I was stuck before, and not able to move the needle with exercise alone. 
an Alzheimer's prevention thought for intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting has so many other benefits tied to this practice, like the fact that it fights insulin resistance, lowering your risk of type 2 diabetes, reduces inflammation in the body, is beneficial for heart health, and may prevent cancer. If it is fighting insulin resistance, then it's also fighting your risk of Alzheimer's. Let's take a deep dive with fitness trainer and model Jason Whitrock. On episode number 94, we interviewed personal trainer and fitness model Jason Whitrock, and we learned more about intermittent fasting and the ketogenic diet that go hand in hand. I first found Jason Whitrock in late 2016-17 when I was searching for answers with my own diet. I was at a crossroad with my own health. I needed to do some things differently. I just didn't know what to do. And I mentioned previously that I found Jason Whitrock on YouTube and started to make his keto coffee. And the results that I got from this, uh, I've just never looked back after this experience. Some lessons learned from Jason Whitrock. Jason says it like it is. He talks about the fact that eating fats won't make you fat, which was a whole new paradigm for anyone who's used to counting calories. He says you can't get mad at the butter for what the bread did. And he's one of the leaders in the fitness industry who's built a career on helping people implement the ketogenic diet. So let's review and have a look at some of the action steps to implement these five health staples into our daily life. Wherever you are with your current health, there's always a way to take your results to the next level. You don't need to get bogged down with implementing these ideas in a rush and stressing yourself out in the process. To get started, pick one area that you want to improve and work on that one area for the next 90 days. Remember what Luke Dupron suggested. The end result should be how you feel, not what you look like. How you feel will spill over to your confidence levels, helping you to improve your daily productivity and results. Where to begin with daily exercise. If you want to improve your daily exercise but have no idea where to begin, I would start with walking. For beginners, I remember after a surgery, I could barely walk to the bottom of my driveway, and I remember thinking how frustrating that was. Listen to your body, just like we heard before in Teroception, and start with short distances. I used to wake up early to do this practice since I didn't want the whole world watching me struggle to walk short distances. I could walk from the bottom of my driveway to the end of the street, and after I had done that for a little while, I could just expand it a little bit, walking 15 minutes, it eventually became 30 minutes, and eventually became an hour. For those who are moderate to advanced, if you've plateaued with your current exercise routine, have you tried working with a trainer? Many are available for Zoom, video calls. If your gym is still closed or if you don't have one, the key is to do something you've never done before to get different results. What about where to begin with getting a good quality sleep? Watch the interviews that we've done in the past with Shane Creato, episode 72, and with Dr. Sarah Mackay, episode 85. If you're waking up and you feel tired or not rested, have you considered getting a sleep study to test the quality and quantity of your sleep? Take inventory of your sleep. Are you getting at least seven to eight hours each night? Remember that Dr. Creato said that the beauty about sleep is that it's modifiable. How can you adjust your sleep to make improvements? 
even by adding an additional half hour each night along with an afternoon nap can yield noticeable results. What about have you ever thought of using an app to measure your sleep? Dr. Stickler in episode 96 measures all of his clients using a Garmin device and he's noted that someone doing all the things right except for sleeping were able to lose weight only once they'd improved their sleep. What about where to begin with eating a healthy diet? Do you avoid processed foods? Have you ever thought about cutting out sugar? Do you choose healthy carbs and fats? Do you choose whole foods versus processed foods? And have you opened your mind to other diets? Not every diet works for every person, but have you tried something differently? What about where to begin with optimizing your microbiome? Do you take a probiotic or do you take prebiotics? Do you know what foods help hurt or damage your microbiome? Have you ever considered microbiome testing so that you could pinpoint foods that you should avoid, minimize, maximize, or foods that are superfoods? What about where to begin with intermittent fasting? If fasting for 16 hours with an eight hour window seems too much, try 12 hours fasting and 12 hours eating to begin. Try it for a few days each week and just see how you feel. Do you feel better fasting than you normally do? If you feel better, you can always experiment with different fasting methods and see where you feel best. Again, it's using that skill of interoception. Remember Jason Whitrock explaining that when you're eating a diet that's higher in fat, that you won't get hungry the same way you do eating a high carb diet. I hope that you found this episode helpful on these five health staples tied to Alzheimer's prevention and tied in with some of our most recent health experts. Please do send me a message on social media and let me know what you think. I really do believe that if we want to improve our social, emotional, and cognitive abilities, it starts with an understanding of our brain, and these top five health strategies seem to move the needle the most, especially when it comes to preventing Alzheimer's and other diseases that I know we all want to avoid. I hope you found the additional interviews helpful and begin to make small changes in one area at a time. It's these small daily habits that when repeated over and over again, yield outstanding results. See you next episode.